We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Stefan LeCoe. Joined by my co-host, Matt Wispay. This is your place for all things Debbie, college DFS, and college football betting advice. And of course, some unabashed homerism. We are excited to have you joining us today. Today is our second conference Debbie preview. We're going to look at the Big 12. We're going to look at the Big 10. Both, team, uh, both conferences have terrible names. Uh, but before we get into all that, Matthew, how the hell are you? I'm pretty good. Maybe I should I should have more energy when I say that. Hey, I'm pretty good. There you go. There you go. Uh, we are recording during Thursday night football. <clears throat> We've got the Hall of Fame game going on right now, and you and I are uh, sitting here podcasting. And I don't think you care too much about uh, about missing that game right now. No, I I found it <laughs> funny. I woke up on Twitter, or woke up. You woke and up I got on, Twitter. on Twitter. That's a problem. So I woke up, got on Twitter, and everyone's just tweeting about, oh my gosh, there's football tonight, there's football tonight, there's football tonight. So I did what I always do, and I just made a very trolly tweet, which was, guys, 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 there's football that I'm absolutely not going to pay attention to or care about. Right. Yeah, I um, I didn't even realize the Hall of Fame game was today until last night. Um, yeah. I will be honest, though, I am watching the game. I have it, you know, just streaming on the side here. Uh, so, you know, but I don't really care all that much as to what happens as long as, you know, there's not major injuries or anything like that, but we'll, uh, we'll see. I wanted to start off the show talking about some, some pretty big news. Uh, we kind of mentioned it last week as a possibility, but it is now official that, that Quinn Ewers, um, has reclassified and he will be joining Ohio state, the Ohio state. I would like just to hear from you just a, a couple key things as well as just overall whatever you want to say about it. But but first and foremost, I, I want you kind of to talk me through, not from his a financial perspective, but just from like body of work um, and just physical size, tools, all that kind of thing. Do you think uh, Quinn Ewers is ready? Uh, secondly, for people like ourselves who are in college fantasy leagues, or in campus or college to Canton leagues, what what is your advice on how people should kind of move forward with this? Because like we talked about before, uh, a lot of game, a lot of uh, leagues don't have free agency or waiver wires or anything like that. So 
Uh, what do you think is a fair approach to this whole situation? He should be off limits in college college football dynasty leagues. He should be off limits in, uh, I would say, CFF redraft leagues. He should be off limits in C2C leagues, and he should not be eligible to join until the 2022 season because he, he just you you couldn't do anything like you couldn't pick him up you couldn't draft him you couldn't do all these things and it it just becomes really unfair because what if you were to just leave him on your waiver wires here's what will happen in a c2c league you're gonna have three people throw their entire budget at him that's what right. i mean it's and they should uh if he is as good as we all think he is and to be honest i i believe he is that good um you should you should blow your entire budget because he is the next Trevor Lawrence. And that's the type of guy that you want on your roster. But I think the the most fair thing to do is to pretty much have him seem like he was a part of the 20 class of 2022. And just, he's not a part of this league for a for a full season. Yeah. So basically when he is eligible next season, <clears throat> excuse me, you'll be drafting him knowing that you'll probably only get, two years from him. Uh, yeah. You know, most likely he leaves after his junior year, uh, if he's as good as we think he will be. And so you are using a, a pick, which, you know, has its pros and cons, you know, you get to use him on your NFL roster. If it's a C to C league, but in a, in a college fantasy league, then yeah, you, uh, you're only going to get two years of production from him. And I think, and honestly, I think you are probably only going to get two years of production out of him regardless. And honestly, I'm not, I would say it's not a, a lot guarantee that he starts next year. Um, for yeah, as much as good as he is, um, he's a year and a half behind C or he's a year and a half behind CJ Stroud. He's, uh, eight months behind Kyle McCord. He's a year. No, I mean, Jack Miller, he's probably already ahead of, um, and I love Jack Miller. I feel like I'm always like dismissing him. I think he's awesome. I think he has the potential to be like, um, a young Ben Roethlisberger, but I, I think it's pretty clear talent wise. He's running fourth in the bunch, but I, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, but the truth is Quinn Ewers is a very, very special player. Um, I will say to everyone who always just points out the like, Oh, he has a perfect score. He has a perfect score because essentially there's an article on the athletic that essentially runs through it, but he essentially just is ranked number one on all three boards because all three boards recognize that he's the top quarterback in the class and the top quarterback in the class is typically the number one overall pick. And if uh, these recruiting sites are doing things appropriately, then they're trying to figure out who's going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. And they're all saying kind of the same thing that it's going to be Quinn Ewers when he decides to come out. Yeah. And that's why yeah, he's a perfect that, that score. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that the gap between him and a guy like Kyle McCord is, um, like markedly worse than him. Like Kyle McCord was a top 30 overall player. Kyle McCord was a true five-star prospect. Um, so to dismiss him and say, I saw someone say that he was, he was like a nothing compared to Quinn Ewers. And I just say, I mean, it's possible Quinn Ewers is better than Trevor Lawrence. It's possible Quinn Ewers is better than Andrew Luck. It's possible that he just makes Kyle McCord look like dog doo-doo. But the more likely thing is that they're both five-star players when given an equal footing, it's going to be a battle and Quinn Ewers has a slight edge. Um, yeah. And, but this, and of course we'll get into this cause we are doing the big 10 preview. So we will get into a little bit more detail 
excuse me, <clears throat> when we talk about uh, quarterbacks in, in the Big Ten. So, yeah. Specifically with Quinn Ewers, um, we're talking about a kid who is six foot three, 195 pounds, according to Max Preps. Uh, his career completion percentage in two seasons as a starter at South Lake Carroll, which was one of the top um, high school programs in the state of Texas, was 70%. He averaged 14.3 yards per attempt. Um, that can't be. I, I'm not too lazy to do math, so I don't know if it's per attempt or per completion. Kind of don't care to check right now. He has 73 com- uh, career touchdowns to just eight interceptions. And if you're worried that he's like some statue, he's not. Uh, he had 701 career rushing yards, including 12 touchdowns. He did a little bit more running as a sophomore, and I think probably because his buzz started to grow a little bit more um, as a junior, and so they kind of didn't want him to take as many hits would be my is is real- Is his buzz what they call his crazy mullet? I mean, he he's- started to grow a little bit. Sorry. Just talking about his mullet because it's disgusting. I mean, <laughs> it's fine. People have it's mullets. awful. It's he's freaking in awful. Texas. Yeah. That's- um, Not anymore. But it's fine. I, I just think he, he's he's a really talented player. I do think that he's eventually going to be uh, the starter at OSU. My, I think what happens this year is that C.J. Stroud maintains the starting role and then they have a true open competition in uh, 2022. I think that there's, for what it's worth, I do think there's a chance that if Stroud loses or that Stroud has a really bad game and gets benched. If Stroud has a uh, an injury, I think there's a decent chance that he never gets the starting job back, whether it's Kyle McCord or Quinn Ewers who steps in. Um, right. It's just it's a it's it's going to be an interesting year to watch. And it, it's if you think that Ohio State is super boring because you know they're just going to win everything, the reason to tune in and watch them is because I mean it's potentially the deepest quarterback room that has ever existed and. And Michigan's yeah. Michigan's got their number this year. I mean, they're due. They're due. How's Everyone knows Michigan analysis? is definitely going to win. So let's move on from Quinn Ewers, and let's talk about the thing that I have on our sheet as conference realignment funsies. Um, these are real stories that I saw this week uh, having to do with conference realignment, um, and they're all fun. None of them are probably going to happen quickly, um, but they're all fun. Uh, so the first one I saw this week was Florida State and uh, Clemson put, uh, expressing interest to move to the SEC. Uh, to quickly shoot this one down because it's an, it, I think a lot of people are just like, well, of course it's going to happen. Why wouldn't they leave the ACC? Well, the ACC's current contract, the way they have it, is a grant of rights that extends until 2035. Unlike the oh, Big wow. 12, it's not as simple as a simple buyout. Um, if you want to leave the ACC, and join another conference, you are allowed to do so. However, all of your money that you make in that time goes to the ACC. So if FSU and Clemson were to go to the SEC and make bundles of money, uh, they would not really see any benefit to it because the money would go back to the ACC. Um, yeah, crazy. So that contract is incredibly difficult. So the only way that this could happen is if the ACC pretty much dissolved. Um, yeah. Another fun one that I heard was the Pac-12 and Big 12 merger. Yeah, that was um, the one that I was reading a lot about, and it just seemed silly to me, like really silly. I, I think it's possible. I think the the way that this is being portrayed is that the two conferences, as they are currently 
constituted would join. I think this is mostly the Pac-12 absorbing what will be seen as the remnants of the Big 12. So whether that's Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU, and like probably three or four other, like them picking up four or five teams. Um, and uh, the other yeah, my, ones... My like, problem with that is they're all like kind of not great programs. Like they don't really bring a whole lot to the Pac-12 in my opinion. Now I know you're thinking... Texas Tech, Oregon State, what's the difference? And I and I feel you. But to me, that's pro- part of the problem with the Pac-12. They need more um, elite programs, not more just kind of average to middling programs. And I, I think that's true. However, my response to that would be is if you get Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State as an overall program is probably like top six in the conference already. Like if you include um, basketball and stuff like that, is that what you're referring to? I mean, I... I even in football, I think they're probably pretty close to the sixth. And I think as an overall, I think if you do add in basketball, yeah. Um, I don't think like I don't think you're going to get. I don't think the Pac-12 is magically going to get like a Notre Dame type caliber team. To be honest with you, right? There's only like six of them out there um, that really are going to make move the needle, and not a lot of them are going to go to the Pac-12. And I'm going to segue this, which is why. Uh, there's a rumor out there that USC is actively pursuing a move to the Big Ten. Um, they're a lot, the, the one team that they've been connected to that has also been connected to the Big Ten was UCLA. But the story I've heard, um, and I'll credit this, I got it from Buckeye Scoops I was listening this morning, um, is that they it's not that they necessarily have to have UCLA with them. It's that they want to bring another team from the Pac-12, which will make their scheduling a little bit easier. So mm-hmm. they're, they won't constantly be dealing with flying to the Midwest. So they'll have at least one week per year where it's a local team. Um, so that's an interesting one. And I think the idea there is that just the Big Ten's is slightly better in the national media perspective than the Pac-12. Um, oh, I yeah, absolutely one, it is. I don't think that'll really happen. I think the last one here is the most likely one to happen, and it's actually been described as imminent. Um, and that's Kansas to the Big Ten. Um, this one to me feels like it's a basketball move. It's a pure basketball right. move. Um, I do lo- think that Kansas football is probably on the upswing. I think that. Well, we like their new coach. I love their new coach. I think they got probably. I I can make a case that they have the best hire of the entire hiring cycle, um, in Lance Leipold. Um, yeah. I think he is a program builder. I think he has proven that he can do a lot with very little. And I think that's a good thing. So I, I would say that one is the most likely. And it's just because I, I do think the Big 12 is going to sort of fall apart. Because I guess, how does it not? If you're the Big 12 and you're, say, Iowa State, do you really want to be the last one in the Big 12 trying to keep it all together? Probably oh, not. of course not. No, like all these teams have to feel a little bit paranoid that they're going to get left and all of a sudden have to join like the Mountain West. Um, so I think that there's a real if you're one of these teams, you're you could be potentially concerned. But these, like I said, all these are just in fun for now, because I, yeah, I do think it's going to move a little bit slower than people think. I think the SEC move for the other teams will happen. I think that the Big 12 will kind of make a decision next year on like what they're going to do. Um, are they going to fight to keep the teams that uh, keep Texas and Oklahoma from moving? Um, 
before the 2025. And if they aren't able to do it, then you at that point, you might see some things speed up a little bit. But I would say you're probably not going to see like an implosion happen overnight. So these are just fun. And honestly, college football rumors are a lot of fun. So that's why well, yeah, I, that's I'm why we that's part of the reason we love part of the reason we love the sport is all the crazy rumors. Uh, it's 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 always uh I mean, this year in particular, I think it's even extra crazy. And I think we're even more thirsty for it after, you know, the Love COVID it. year. Uh, so anything that's not like terrible, like, hey, we might not have football this year. Like, so now we're talking about like, oh, Oklahoma and Texas are in the SEC. What's going to happen? Like, it's it's definitely a lot more fun. And we have more fun for you around the corner. We're going to listen to our sponsors real quick here. And then we're going to dive into the Big 12 and the Big 10. We'll be right back. That was a fucking great transition. <laughs> Love it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back. Thank you all for hanging around. Excited to dive straight into the Big 12 here. Uh, this uh, this is an interesting conference. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out with Oklahoma and Texas on their way out. Who knows when that will happen. Um, but we've got some pretty exciting teams here. One of the, uh, you know, playoff contenders, I, I think is fair to say that that Oklahoma is, is probably penciled in everyone's final four at the oh, moment. Oh, I think they should be considered... I think you can make a strong case that they're the favorite to win the national title right. this year. Well, I, I think in a vacuum, yes. I think because of the history of of just getting crushed in the playoff, uh, people might have them a little lower. But I think if you look at the roster, you look at the returning production, the coaching staff, all that, yeah, absolutely correct. Uh, Travis May, uh, our, our, our good buddy, uh, he had his article drop on August 3rd. So do check that out. 16 players to know in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, let's start at quarterback, unless you just have some overall thoughts you'd like to give uh, first, but uh, but otherwise uh, dive or do both. Uh, dive I into mean, the quarterback. my quick overall position. thought is we have a whole lot of SEC teams listed. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's ha-ha. very true. Jokes. I'm here because, uh, yeah. Um, no, let's start off. Uh, 
quarterback sucks. <laughs> I, I generally, so we're not going to mention, uh, because I, last week we really dragged on through a lot of players. And to be honest, we're going to talk about the Big Ten next. And we all know I ramble. Um, we're going to kind of move, like limit the number of players that we talk to talk about. So we're going to start off with the number one. You're 101 in Debbie Leagues right now, or number 102? Um, no, 101 for me is uh, DJ Uyunglele. So. Is Rattler too? It, Rattler is no Rattler. I believe is three for me uh, because I am insane and I have uh, my boy who we'll be getting to later, Brees Hall at number two overall. Okay, well, so Rattler is kind of the you're pretty much in Debbie leagues. You're looking to take him somewhere in that top three to four. Um, some people do have him as high as one um, over in Uangale, largely because he's available quicker. Uh, there is, there's really not a ton to say about Rattler. We all kind of saw the ups and downs from last year. I don't think anyone left last year saying that he was a um, a, a super-duper safe player. Um, I find this funny that in Travis's first one, he says Spencer Rattler is one of the sp- uh, safest bets in all of football. Um, what it says after that is to hear his name drafted early. I do think that's pretty likely that he's going to be drafted early, but... I mean, I remember that game where he was just like handing the ball to the other team and got benched last year. I I, kind of think that for as much as Spencer Rattler, we saw some of the highlights from him last season. We're really, it it is sort of hard to ignore how bad he looked when he looked bad. But I do think he kind of uh, found, figured things out as the year rolled on. I think he's probably, I think he's the current betting favorite um, to win the Heisman this year. Uh, don't bet him. I think it's a bad bet. I, I do think we're going to see a strong year out of him again. I think that Oklahoma, as I mentioned, I think that they're probably the favorite to win the national title, at least to start the year. And it's really good. I mean, I th- there isn't a ton to say about the guy. He, I don't have, I need to start pulling up stuff in front of me, but to be honest with you, my Wi-Fi is garbage and I don't really feel like dropping this at the moment. So in short, Spencer Rattler was the number one quarterback in his high school class. He has a little bit of mobility um, he, but he's, he's just a strong passer. And I think he's going to put up very strong numbers again under Lincoln Riley. Uh, and particularly where big 12 defenses aren't expected to be very strong. I think he has a, he has the potential to be the first overall pick. Although if I am thinking about this correctly, he's probably going to show up a little bit smaller than a quarterback that you're not a fan of, that I'm a bigger fan of. Um, and that may scare a couple of teams off. Yes. Um, I think there's a chance Sam Howell goes above him, if only because I think that teams will be a little bit more worried about his frame than like you or I are. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't yeah, know. It's interesting. I, I've actually seen Sam Howell go before him in, in quite a few of the C to C startups I've been in this year, which yeah, it was pretty surprising to me. Um, his numbers I, are I think your point, I, I, yeah, I think your point to, um, like you, you talking about how the consistency kind of was worrisome. And he was, of course, a freshman with, you know, I mean, the COVID offseason was, I don't know what it was. Like, we don't really know what these teams were and weren't doing. Uh, it seems like some t- teams are doing quite a bit of uh, <laughs> of cheating. But, um, yeah, that second game of the what? season against Kansas State where he he threw three picks was definitely um, a big problem. He now ended up being like almost half his interceptions were in that one game. Uh, he ended up having seven on the year, but, uh, but yeah, he, he did finish strong, uh, in his last like five games or last 
four games, he uh, he only had one interception uh, to ten touchdowns. So so you like to see that uh, he has a lot of returning starters. Um, I think yeah, I think he's a safe bet. Let's move on. Let's talk about the the player. Uh, oh, by the way, before we do that, we have him uh, consensus fifth overall and as our QB two. Uh, we kind of already went over that. Uh, the next guy we have is actually on the same team. He's our QB eight, 29th overall, and that's Caleb Williams of Oklahoma as well. Obviously, um, not a whole lot to say about him because you know uh, we haven't seen him play yet, and we probably won't see him play much this year. Uh, but we do have pretty high hopes that he will be able to take over from Spencer Rattler probably next year after uh, Spencer leaves for the NFL, which we we presume he'll do after his junior year. Um, anything you want to see on Caleb Williams? I know you, I know we have a lot of names to get through, but uh, anything in I particular? Mean, I, we, we can go quickly through him, but in, in short, Caleb Williams was the consensus pretty close to consensus. Number one quarterback in his class. He was the, uh, he won the elite 11, even though it was sort of ex- it exposed the flaws in the elite 11 because he was the one that uh, everyone learns that elite 11 w- at, was 70 for 75% your prior film. So not right. much having to do with the actual week of, but I mean, a lot of people would make a case that he was the better quarterback in Oklahoma spring game. And to be honest, I, I I'm intrigued by him. I think there's a decent chance that he ends up being an elite quarterback and Oklahoma. I mean, if Oklahoma enters the SEC next year with Caleb Williams as their quarterback, I don't think they're going to be super duper terrified. So I think he will be another one in the lineage of good Oklahoma quarterbacks. Yep, totally agree. Uh, I, I always, um, I love Tom Fernelli, always half jokingly, kind of tongue in cheek, half serious, uh, talks about Caleb Williams as the, as the the best quarterback in Oklahoma right now. Oh, which is always kind of fun, <laughs> kind of funny. Um, Brock Purdy is, you know, he's another guy that maybe you know not honorable mention or not so honorable mention, but uh, I don't think we have much uh, real hope for him to 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 really be anything. He's a good college quarterback, and right. that's probably the extent. So, so now we jump into running back, and here's where you and I kind of disagree a little bit. Uh, and right. you know, I, I think it's it's a, a nice problem to have because I think both of these running backs are are just supremely talented um i am the only one over at rotaviz that has them uh in in the order <laughs> like you and the other three guys you uh travis and patrick uh curtis patrick have them the same way so you guys all like Bijan uh the most so tell me a little bit about Bijan robinson the the te- texas running back what do you think uh, his floor is and his ceiling and, and what, what are some of the aspects of his game, or maybe even it's just his frame, uh, that, that have you so excited and have you so bought in? So his floor, I think, is a day two running back. I think at this point, if he puts up, I mean, he's going to take over as the starter at Texas this year. We know Steve, Steve Sarkeesian um, uses running backs and will allow them to get a little bit more um bell cowie and he doesn't really hesitate from using the best one of the bunch um so hopefully that if i mean if there was last year was any indication that's going to be a lot of Bijan. and the fact that keontae ingram left the program it's probably a decent sign it's going to be Bijan. and the fact that uh uh sam ellinger is no longer they're going to be their lead running back is probably a good sign but the things to really like about him he's a really high pedigree pedigree prospect he was a five-star player that was coveted by everyone 
um, including Ohio State, and I will never forgive him for choosing Texas. Um, but he's you six have foot forgiven tall. Him. You have him as your one hundred and one. It doesn't mean I've forgiven him. I root against well, him every week. Number one running back. He's listed at six foot tall, two hundred and twenty two pounds, but he's not really the one dimensional type. He had fifteen receptions last year for one hundred and ninety six yards and two touchdowns. He did return a kick. I'm not going to say he was a kick returner. He returned one kick. Um, but really, it's the fact he averaged 8.2 yards per carry. He had 13.1 uh, yards per reception. He's just really good. And there's the potential, if he gets a little more usage and we start to see him get a little more developed as a receiver, I think his upside is McCaffrey. Like, that's how oh, good really? I think he could be. I, I think we're looking at someone special. Now, I don't think he's super duper fast. And I think that's the only knock on him is he's not going to run like a 4-4. I think he's going to probably run something like a 4-5. But he's really, really, really good. And I think the upside is best running back in the NFL. Wow. Wow. That's that is high praise. And, you know, um, I like him, too. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think he's great. Part of the reason I like uh, this next running back that we're going to talk about, uh, Brees Hall uh, from Iowa State, who I'm sure everyone knows that already, um, is that he, for one, he's going to be eligible this year, so you don't have to wait quite as long. You'll get him right away. Uh, But he is just absolutely incredible. He he averaged about 150 uh, yards from scrimmage um, a game last year. He had... Um, 23 touchdowns in 12 games, just an absolute monster. Uh, he also had 23 receptions in those 12 games. So, you know, he, he's well over those numbers that, that you're looking at. Um, like I know you always like them to have about one and a half receptions uh, a, a game. So he, he's well over that number. I just think he is a dynamic player. And even though defenses know that he's the main threat on that team, it doesn't matter. He's still able to, carve out yards and production even when he's like the only threat on the offense uh his line is coming back for the most part uh so i'm pretty sure it's going to be more of the same and the production's going to be there that will lead to him having i I think in i I think it it looks like travis agrees with this that he'll be the the first running back taken and and most likely uh in the first round um yeah i mean i think that's I don't know that first round is necessarily a good projection for him. And I don't say this as a hater of Brees Hall. I think he could be uh, the running back one. I think we talked about him last time. I think Spiller has a chance to eclipse him this year, just because I think on a pure athleticism and pure like talent standpoint, I think you could make a case Spiller's better. With that being said, I do think that it's, it's hard to ignore the production of a guy like Brees Hall. Um, Still, God, I wish he was at 6.0 yards per carry, so I didn't have to say this. But he's below yeah, 6.0 yards per carry, and that just bums me out slightly. Um, that being said, so was Najee Harris last year, so sometimes it just happens. It's just it's sort of an arbitrary threshold, um, but whatever. Brees Hall's going to be very, very good this year. I think he should be one of the top picks in CFF leagues. I think if you're in a C2C league, he should be drafted really high. I think he's going to be really good. I just think the difference here is I think Brees Hall is a David Montgomery who's a very good running back and is very capable. I think Bijan Robinson is potentially Christian McCaffrey and that's 
best running back in the league. So it's it that's just that's the only reason why I have him ranked where I do. You're right. I think mm-hmm. Brees Hall's probably safer, air quotes, safer to be like very good. Um, I think there's a chance Bijan's a pure bust. I don't think it's likely. I think that's in like one of the lower range in the range of outcomes. Yeah. But I don't like I think he's more likely to bust completely than Brees Hall. But I think Bijan Robinson is much more likely to become a future NFL side league winner. And that's that's the only difference. And I don't I, I don't think you're really going wrong having either one first. I just I have a preference and I've been Bijan's been my running back one since he got into college. So kind of is mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah, um, let's 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 move on to TCU. Uh, we've got a running back who had a pretty uh, tumultuous start to his collegiate career. A lot of commits and decommits, and it took him a while to get on the field. But when Zachary Evans did, man, he looked good. Average almost eight yards per touch down the stretch last year, um, and and really finished the season off really strong. Um, there's not a whole lot of competition in that backfield at TCU. Zachary Evans has an has the opportunity to really take a, a step forward and kind of cement himself uh, in that 23 class as one of the running backs that you want to target. Or I should say that you, that, that one should want to target from my perspective. Do you want to target him? Where where do you stand on, on Zachary Actually, Evans there? One sec. I got I to gotta be smart about this and pull this stuff up. But I'm pretty sure I have Zach Evans as my, I think he might be my number two running back. Or number, if he's not, he's my number three running back in the class of 2023. Um, Which, to to be honest with you, it doesn't sound super hot takey because we're talking about the guy who in his own class, I believe, was the number one running back in his class. Um, You have him, are you talking about in his class or overall? In his class. Overall, I think I have him like fifth. You have Bijan, Tank, you Ah. do have Gibbs ahead and then Evans. You have him fourth. Okay, so I forgot about Tank. But I feel like in your heart, you actually like Evans more than Gibbs. Oh, 100%. Um, so you might want to change that rank. It's 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 one where I'm very close, and part of the reason why I have Gibbs is right now because of the consensus and where you have to take him. But I also don't want to do... I, I fall. It's really easy to fall into that trap when you're doing Debbie rankings, is yeah. knowing that the consensus loves a player. But to mm-hmm. be honest with you, I, I look at stuff like like this. Against Baylor, he had only seven carries um, and one reception in the game, but he had 81 yards and a touchdown. So he averaged 11.1 yards or 11.6 yards per carry against Kansas. Again, Kansas is terrible, but worth noting, 12 carries for 100 yards against Louisiana Tech, who was a, yeah, they were real bad last year, but still seven carries, 130 yards, two touchdowns. I just kind of like to see that explosiveness at times, and I like to see someone who can do things. He also had a game with five receptions in it against Oklahoma, and this offseason, the leading rusher, who was a running back, so the leading running back carry guy, Darwin Barlow, left the program. So I think that puts Zach Evans into a bell cow situation, and I think he should be um, seen that way. However, TCU is going to be... Gary Patterson's weird. Gary Patterson doesn't always like to make things easy for you. So we'll see if his production doesn't jump up and he doesn't get like 150 carries this year, then I'm probably gonna have to back down on him a little bit. Um, Hmm, Yeah. But if he starts, if he makes it impossible to stop using him and like, they just are forced into a situation where they have to keep using him, then yeah, 
I think there's a decent chance you'll make a case that Zach Evans is right there behind Bijan. Um, I, I don't think it's crazy to think that he could be better than tank. I don't think, I think it's, I, I think when you include pedigree and you include program, it's not crazy to think that he's ahead of Gibbs already. And it's just, it's one of those things where I, I think that you're buying Zach Evans right now and it feels really expensive, but he's the type of guy that if you give him 150 carries and he, he maintains efficiency, you're talking about a guy who's a top six pick in C to C drafts next year. A guy right, who's, and we have him overall at 15. So that is a, a pretty significant jump uh, that high up. Uh, it's the, about as big uh, a jump as you can get when you're already a top 20 player. So right, yeah, that's the, that's the kind of thing you're looking for. I think he is, he's the ultimate lottery ticket type player in the sense of he really could be amazing for you and he could get you insane value. And even if you don't love the player, there's a really decent chance he increases his value 12 months from now, but it's, it's a lot of projection and it's a lot of assuming that Gary Patterson's going to use him appropriately. So, yeah. So yeah, so we have him as our RB6 at 15. Our RB7 and 17th overall is someone that you and I um, don't necessarily see eye to eye on. Um, And a lot of that is based on things that we cannot control at all. I mean, all of this is stuff we can't control. But specifically for this player, uh, you and I uh, kind of view the... uh, the level of production may be a little bit different. That That is to come. We foresee a different outcome. And, of course, we're talking about Oklahoma Sooner, Eric Gray, transferred in from Tennessee. Uh, nothing extremely special stands out um, from him statistically, if you look at his future, but of, I mean, of his past. But, of course, that was at Tennessee, which we all know was a bit of a dumpster fire. Uh, they were pretty much running it first and second down. Everyone knew what was happening, and then uh, they'd punt on fourth because they couldn't complete a pass on third. So Eric Gray's, though, going to you know one of the most explosive, if not the most explosive offense in the nation, and you think he's going to get fed the ball and going to be an absolute beast. Uh, you're very high on him, Matt. Uh, you have him as, you know, your your number uh, five running back. Uh, talk to me. Why am, I, why am I wrong on Eric Gray? Why, why is my hesitation on him um, just foolishness? So I think it's fair to look at his numbers and go, okay, these aren't super duper impressive. Um, I actually, I, like, I don't act, have a huge case statistically for why I think he's amazing other than I saw large stretches when he became literally their offense when there would be there were a couple of games that when I was looking back through their seasons when he was like 50% of the offense um he's really talented he never should have been behind Ty Chandler it it should have basically always been Gray as the lead guy but that Jeremy Pruitt was bad at his job um with that being said the reason I love him and the reason why he's so high for me is because as I've I think I've said this a few times. Oklahoma is secretly a program that wants to run the ball a lot. Right. They want to be a run first team. Um, And because of that, and because their passing efficiency has been so good, their running backs get a lot of open lanes and they get a lot of positive situations, plus EV situations that they're getting the ball in the spring game. Eric Gray proved that he was not only a capable starter in the Oklahoma offense, but that he may already be the most talented one there. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't necessarily... Uh, I, I've been too harsh, and it's mostly because, as our listeners know, 
I don't hedge a ton mm-hmm. on players. And when I don't like a player, I just say I don't like them. And I don't like Kennedy Brooks. I think that Kennedy Brooks's numbers were in 2019 were largely because that offense was hyper-efficient and there was a real threat of quarterback run. And that is why he was able to run the ball so efficiently. That being said, well, I think you're a meanie. I'm always <laughs> I love Kennedy Brooks. <laughs> I love Kennedy Brooks. So I, I think Eric Gray has the potential to be uh, in the conversation for top running back this year. If he puts together a ridiculous season with that being said, I don't necessarily think, I think it's a projection and I do think your guy, Kennedy Brooks. And if you want, you can say why you like Kennedy. Um, I think there's a chance that he ends up being a super productive rusher in his own right. No, yeah, no. I, th- I think Eric Gray is is going to be really good at Oklahoma. I just don't know if he's going to get the numbers that we want to see um, because I do think it's going to be a split backfield because I do think Kennedy Brooks being healthy. Well, and maybe that, maybe maybe I'm being too presumptuous thinking that he's going to bounce back to 100% of who he was before the injury. But Kennedy Brooks was, was awesome. He, he had, I thought he opted out last year. Oh, maybe he did. Now I, uh, I think he was yeah. a pure opt out last season. Yeah, I'll be honest. Sometimes I get Journey Brown and Kennedy Brooks's history a little bit. Journey Brown because was I a, fell in yeah. love with them so at the same Kennedy time. Kennedy Brooks didn't miss last season with he a, just opted out. Yeah, he just chose to. He essentially chose to miss all of last season. That's fine. Uh, I think everybody should have taken that into consideration. And to be honest, I I think that when you're looking at a guy who's coming off of a season in 2019 was his last year where he had insane, he had a more than, he was well over a thousand yards and he averaged 6.5 yards per carry. There's a lot there. It's not a bad thing. It's just, I think there is a reason why this off season, Oklahoma went into the portal, not once, but twice for running backs. And some of that is for the future because Cavantre Bradford is not going to be there any, see the field this year. But they went out when they saw that, uh, Tennessee was falling apart. Not only did they go grab offensive linemen, but they ran to the counter to go order them some Eric Gray. Um, yeah, and I think it's just, I think it'll be interesting. But yeah. you know who we should really talk about? We should talk about some wide receivers yeah, because there's it. one wide receiver that I know you want to talk about, <laughs> um, who you have four thousand shares of across all of your Debbie leagues. He is your number one most owned player. He is the uh, guy that you've been talking up since he was in fourth grade um, and that's Marvin Mims. Oh man. It's so sad. I love Marvin Mims. And by the end of last year, I was hyping him up so much and I have a total of zero Marvin Mims shares. So I am clearly not the high guy anymore on Marvin. And it is just disappointing because I really did like him. I, I think he is, um, a really, really solid receiver. I think he's got all the talent in the world. Uh, now he, I think some of the some of the things that scare me about Marvin Mims and some of the reasons I uh, I didn't pull the trigger on him is, it is it's just eleven. <laughs> it's a crowded wide receiver room, and uh, he's not like he's still an underclassman, so he's not even going to be eligible. So so it's a long wait. There's a lot of other talent in that uh, wide receiver room, and any kind of mess up. Uh, and you're just going to you're you're going to be taken off the field and, and someone else is going to take your spot. And um, while I love Marvin Mims, it's just there's there's so much chance uh, for someone else to pop that uh, 
I I didn't want to pay the price. I didn't want to I didn't want to pay the high price that uh, Marvin Mims uh, was 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 carrying with him. Uh, that being said, uh, we have him consensus as wide receiver eight and twenty first overall. So you know that's a that's he a uh, late second round pick. So that it, it's pretty expensive. He's he is one of the most productive freshmen um, from last year's from the class of twenty twenty three. Excuse me. Um, and he's he's doing it on an offense that is you know is going to give opportunities to be, have a very productive uh, wide receiver, and they've done it several times. And truthfully, I think you could see him have like a Marquise Brown couple of seasons, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're looking at a guy who has first round capital. With that being said, I've been lower on Mims, and it's not just be, it's not really for any reason. I I'm joking. I don't care about his size. Um, I think he's really good. I think there's a chance he's very, very good. I just, I don't know. I'm, I I think there's a chance he's the third best receiver on his own team. And while I'm not knocking him down below any of the other guys because he's outproduced them, I just don't necessarily think we're going to get some ridiculous number out of him, but it is what it is. I, I think the price range of back half of the second round is probably about where people should start to feel okay pulling the trigger on him. I wouldn't yeah. reach. I think there are other more impressive wide receivers, to be honest with you. The guy we're about to talk about next, um, I think it has potentially a little bit more upside. Yeah, and uh, that, that, of course, is Quinton Johnston of TCU. He is five inches taller than Marvin Mims. He's 6'4", 200 pounds. Uh, we have him as our wide receiver, 12, 31st overall. Quinton Johnston, uh, <laughs> considering... Uh, I'm not a huge fan of of Doug's there over at TCU, the quarterback. I'm not a not a huge believer. Uh, but the fact that that Johnson was still able to uh, produce the way he did uh, was pretty was, was pretty impressive. He he had uh, 27% of TCU's re- receiving offense in in the games that he played, um, and that was as a freshman. So uh, coming back this year, uh, he could have an absolute monster year. And someone that, again, like we have him at 31 overall, uh, another one of these guys that could really skyrocket um, in, in value over the course of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan. I do think the size is real. And I think the fact that he was averaging 22 yards per reception shows that he's yeah. not just a big body receiver. Like, I think that when I, I always use, again, there's arbitrary numbers out there, but 17 yards has been sort of shown as like this this range of a potential field stretcher. And so at 22 yards, he's proven he can stretch the field. Yeah, he's Deami Brown, but like seven inches taller. (laughs) Yeah, you know. So we're talking about a guy who's has pretty real ceiling. It's just a question of is, are his raw numbers going to be good enough to vault him into that high draft capital range? It'll be interesting to see. I think he's a player to watch. Um, I know a lot of people in the class of 2023 who have him even higher, uh, substantially higher than we do. Um, but yeah, um, we are already sort of running long ish. So let's m- keep moving. Um, do you want to touch on either of the two tight ends that we have listed? I mean, let's just say their name. We got Oklahoma's Austin Stogner and then Iowa state, Charlie Kohler, who I think a lot of people have heard of. I think both, um, are, are, are fine tight end prospects. Um, 
from an NFL perspective, I don't know if they're going to be fantasy game changers, either one of them. That That's Correct. kind of my quick take on I it. I like them better in C2C leagues and CFF yep. leagues than I do um, Debbie. So we can move on from them. And let's go to a, another conference. It's the Big Ten. Yeah, Matt uh, wrote up I, this article, and I think I was, I was super... Uh, hesitant to believe it was actually written by him because when you click on the page it's uh it's it's not a picture of an ohio state it's a, it's actually um we <laughs> it's funny that uh you you have a picture of not even like you've got a wide receiver but not garrett wilson not chris olave no you went with purdue's david bell yeah david bell isn't my favorite wide receiver in the class but i'm also a homer and right i already tell everyone i'm a homer so, yeah. By the way, I'm mad because I had some really good jokes making fun of myself in footnotes that uh, our editor Blair, Ang- or yeah, that Blair took out, and I almost called him Blair Angulo. He's a 24/7. That's not him. Oh, yeah. um, um, our editor Blair took out um, because I made a joke about the fact that the Big Ten doesn't know how to count. Uh, I called myself a homer, um, but whatever. You we did leave the Homer footnote in there. I I, I will did say he? that. Oh, yeah. Sorry, it's not where I put it. He changed yeah. it. <laughs> there was so many opportunities to place it in there. That's why. Um. So. All right. So we'll start off. Uh, we talked about quarterback. Let's, yeah. So with quarterback, and and you kind of you kind of um mentioned kind of the, the situation in Ohio State, how it could be interesting now that yours is there. McCord was a highly rated uh, recruit, and of course C.J. Stroud. Uh, CJ Stroud is currently our QB six and in the 27th overall. So we definitely have some high hopes for, for CJ Stroud. Um, talk, talk me through the, I mean, you've got your, you know, your heart beats to the sound of Ohio state's, um, band. So, so go ahead and talk us through some of this. I mean, I think it's pretty simple. Did you see him last year? He was amazing. He, I mean, he didn't throw an incomplete pass the entire season. <laughs> His rushing average was 48 yards per rush, and he scored a touchdown every single time he ran the ball. How you do you gotta not? love it? So basically, what I'm saying by that is he threw zero pass attempts, and he had one running play. It was for 48 yard touchdown. Um, here's the the long and short of it. He is a super high pedigree prospect. He was the number three prospect in the class of 2023. The reason why that's substantial or meaningful is our number one overall uh, player in our rankings, DJ Wangalale, was number one quarterback. Or I'm sorry, was actually a number two quarterback. I believe our number six overall player, Bryce Young, um, he was the the other. He was the number two quarterback or number one quarterback. Basically, those two are one two, and then it was CJ Stroud. He was also a five star. He's at a program that seems to be favorable to QB play. Yes. Um, and particularly, he's going to have a lot of receivers to throw to it. But the thing that stood out to me and the reason why he became such a hot commodity as a high school prospect was if you just kind of look at his his growth from his junior season to his senior season. So as a junior, he completed 60% of his passes. He had 2,300 yards passing, 19 touchdowns to six interceptions. Then they kind of let him take over the offense the next year. He completed almost 66% of his passes up to 3,800, almost 3,900 yards, um, 47 touchdown passes, and nine interceptions. So a few extra interceptions, but he also had threw the ball an extra 100 times. Um, so realistically, that's it's not a huge jump when you consider the amount of additional passes that he threw. So that's the kind of jump he made in high school. 
And now he's had a year to sit and learn at Ohio State. Um, do I care about sitting and learning? I don't. It just means that he's going to be more familiar with the playbook than if he had right. jumped in and started as a freshman. Uh, I think he's an interesting guy to watch. However, I don't think that the job is guaranteed to be his. We already talked about the fact that if he, he were to get injured or if he were to play really bad at any point in the year, I think he would have a difficult time really getting the job back because I don't think that the fill-in quarterbacks are going to play bad because I just think there's too much talent there behind him. So he's kind of a guy that is playing for his job every single week mm-hmm. because yep. if he does get benched, he's getting benched, benched very likely. He's, it's not a situation where we're likely going to see this rotation of quarterbacks where a dude gets benched and it's like Spencer Rattler was, and all of a sudden, whatever, he's benched for a half. Um, I think if, if Stroud is out, he's out. Um, so it'll be interesting. Um, do you find yourself to- now, like if you looking back, would you avoid the Ohio state quarterback room just no. because of Absolutely the volatility? Not. No, you still want to <laughs> take a shot on one of these guys. So here's all the of these guys, take, I would take a shot on McCord Stroud and Ewers early. And I would take a shot at Miller late. And here's the reason they're all ridiculous quarterbacks, every single one of them. And I think they're all going to play somewhere. It's just not going to necessarily be at Ohio State. So I think mm. C.J. Stroud is is very likely going to win this job this year. And then I think there's going to be a potentially open competition that may send him into a situation where he forces, where he says, "I want to transfer," and he leaves the program in the spring next year. It's not in, right. inconceivable, or it's possible he wins the job and gets two years starting at Ohio State. Seems pretty solid. Um, but I, I think it's you can't really avoid the situation because you think that even if a guy doesn't win the job at Ohio State, there's a pretty solid chance he's going to win the job somewhere else. And right. And if, if there's transfer rules week, being what they are, there, there's going to be plenty of uh, locations uh, super, super, super excited to hand the keys to the car uh, to, to any of these guys that, that doesn't make it as, as Ohio State starter. Yeah. Um, yeah. But let's move on because. I currently hear my son crying in the background, which means I'm probably going to have to wrap up here shortly. But <laughs> we've got Graham Mertz, Wisconsin. We got Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz uh, played an amazing first game. Um, uh, he was a high pedigree prospect who won the MVP of the 2019 All American Bowl. Uh, I thought he should have beat out Jack Cohn as a freshman. He didn't. Comes in, it starts as a senior or as a sophomore. His first game of the year, basically perfect against a garbage Illinois team. Um, yeah, but basically perfect. And then he, it was impossible for him to sustain that type of level, but he, he did at, manage to be like respectable throughout the year. And honestly, it was, it was a really weird year. So he's my guy that I think if there's going to be a breakout out of nowhere kind of guy, I really think it could be him. And, uh, just a guy to keep an eye on. We have him at QB 20 overall 85th. That basically in Debbie leagues, that means you're avoiding him unless it's super deep. But mm-hmm. in like C to C leagues, you're talking about a like seventh, eighth round pick. It's pretty solid. I think at that type of level, you're getting a guy who is a guaranteed starter this year. Potentially, if he's not as good as we think, then he's a guaranteed starter next year. And he does have a little bit of NFL upside. So guy to watch for sure. Just I put the thing in there. Never let him hold any trophy because he might. Break <laughs> it. Right. Let's talk about Graham Mertz's running back, though. I, I'm a pretty big fan of this player. He was in, He's from the New Jersey area. He was a one, top 150 prospect who, for a long time, actually, they thought he was going to stay local and go to the Rutgers program. But to be honest with you, if you're presented the opportunity to run behind that Wisconsin offensive line, oh, I yeah. can turn that down. Um, so 
was a part of the three three back committee in his freshman year, but as a high pedigree prospect, he's gotten a lot of buzz this offseason because the projection is that by most people in the Debbie community is that he's going to see a pretty big workload up uptick. So we're hoping to see an increase from his 60 carries last year, but he did turn that into 300 yards. And to be honest with you, I believe that was in like six games. So realistically over a full season, anyway, we're talking about a, a well over a hundred carries. So if we can see him get that number up to like 150 carries, he should, he's another one of those guys that should see an increase in his workload um, and not just necessarily workload, but should see his price jump up next year because he's pretty intriguing at that range of a realistically a mid fourth round pick. So I, uh, he's a guy I am buying. I think that the projection I have for him is day two, the NFL draft. I don't know that that's really fair just because we always kind of talk about these projections for running backs and like, where does running back five go? Well, it's yeah. sort of year to year running back five, yeah, absolutely. A, a running back needy year for a lot of systems. Um, it could be as high as like early second round, but for some bad years, that could be the third day. Um, and I think there's a chance he's a, he's somewhere in that mid day two range if he gets as productive as we think, but he's another kind of projection guy. The guys though, that are really intriguing. I think at the running back position, just because for his, I think the the Big Ten is talented at running back. I don't necessarily think there's a ton of guys that are NFL backs, but mm-hmm. there are two Tyler Goodson. Are you referring about Tyler Goodson as the most yeah, exciting I running think back? Tyler Goodson is a very very good. If you're a DFS guy, he's going to get carries. He's going to get a ton yeah. of volume. And if he, he there's a but not an chance NFL he, guy. Yeah, um, but the two guys that I I would say are the most interesting are Travion Henderson and Donovan Edwards um, at Ohio State and Michigan, respectively. Um, I'll start with Edwards. Um, he was the number four class or number four running back in the class of 2021. Um, for as much as I can hate on him because he chose Michigan eventually, he was a guy that Ohio State really sought after. They offered him the opportunity to be the only running back in their class um, before eventually allowing uh, Evan Pryor and Henderson to come in and take that spot. He wanted to take a little bit more time with the recruiting process and the 2021 class for Ohio State really just filled up too quickly for him to be a part of it. He, as a senior, compiled more than 1,100 yards from scrimmage and 20 touchdowns. He was the Gatorade player of the year for the state of Michigan. And to be honest with you, I think he's probably already better than Hassan Haskins, but it could be like Zach Charbonnet and just have a difficult time surpassing him. Henderson, on the other hand, he was the number one running back. I believe, eh, I don't care. He was the number one running back at his uh, in the class. He's a five-star recruit. He's already expected to be a part of the offense in the rotation. Um, again, this is another weird scenario where the seniority guy is probably going to get the early carries. I think Master T gets the first snap. I think Mayan Williams kind of earned getting a lot of snaps, but there's no secret. The buzz is already out there. Travion Henderson is the guy that even the coaching staff admits is the most talented guy. And I think there's a decent chance that he really makes a big impact. So, uh, I think he's a guy to watch. I think he will um, become a part of their offense at some point this year. I mean, you're talking about a guy who, over the course of his career in high school, he had 2,400 yards, 45 touchdowns, and averaged 12.2 yards per carry. The talent is pretty clear. The biggest issue with him is that in his price already, you're talking about a guy who has an ADP 
right around the turn of the second round and he's never taken a snap at college. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of risk, but he's another right. one of those guys that if he's Bijan Robinson, where he jumps to third next year. And that's just, yeah, and we have him at running back nine, which again, like you either have to commit and take him that early or you're not going to get him because he's not sitting around on draft boards very long because there's a lot of hype and for good reason. Like you, I think you, you explained why people should be excited about him, especially seeing the, the recent history uh, not even, and, and by recent, I don't mean like the last couple of years. I mean, last numerous years, uh, but uh, Ohio State's just been pumping out NFL talent at the running back position. Yep. Yeah. And if you do want to hear a little bit more about some of the uh, other running backs, uh, Muhammad Ibrahim is a guy that I'm pretty excited about, but uh, most of the other guys uh, over here at Rotoviz don't have as high hopes for him, but he's uh, the Minnesota running back. I didn't write him up in my five um, kind of, undervalued running backs, uh, cheap options in, um, you know, DFS or in college to Canton league. So, so do check that out. Tyler Goodson's another guy that, that I kind of like, uh, but again, you know, at Iowa, uh, I don't know if the, the draft capital, like Matt was just mentioning is actually going to be there for him, um, at the end of the year when he is, uh, eligible for, for the NFL. But really, the the most intriguing part of the Big Ten, and I highlighted this in an article, is the wide receiver position. And we'll we'll focus on Big Three, but there are also like it's so deep that we're only going to name we'll name seven guys here. And honestly, it's probably not even half of the meaningful dudes in the entire class. So let's start off with the with the headliner, the the big time guy, the one that everyone saw in the picture and it's David Bell. <laughs> it is. I, I mean, da- I, David Bell's not my favorite in the class. I think it's pretty clear that I prefer the two Ohio state players. Travis is a big Purdue guy. He don't thinks we David all Bell have, is, do we have, don't we I mean, all have probably um, Wilson and Olave ranked ahead of Bell. Eh, probably, but well, uh, well, the Travis has Bell ahead of Olave. No, you're right. You're right. He, Sorry, he's a big for interrupting you. Continue. No, you're fine. Uh, David Bell is a, he's basically the reason why Purdue's passing game didn't suck for the last two years. So you'd think when you lose a talent as good as Rondale Moore for basically two full seasons, that your passing attack would become really bad and would become super anemic. Um, it didn't. Uh, as a freshman, he had uh just over a thousand yards average 12.3 yards perception which isn't great but it's basically he was a he's a volume guy um he accounted for 28 percent market share of their yards and had a 26 percent dominator not quite a breakout but very 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 close and very very mm-hmm. good um in six games as a sophomore he because again last year was crazy um he had 625 yards a back around that 12 yard per reception mark eight touchdowns this time 34% of their market share, 53% share of their receiving touchdowns and had a dominator of 44. So now has officially put a breakout. Although I don't know how we're going to handle breakouts um, in the COVID year, just because I know I was wondering the same thing, um, but I think it's, it's hard to ignore the fact that he had a 44 dominator, even if it was in a shortened season. I think if it was six, I think if it was six games and the team played 12 or something, maybe we would, kind of treat it differently, but whatever. For now, I'm going to treat it as if he had a true breakout. I mean, 
44 is really strong. If he can come out this year and put up realistically the market share, like super duper threshold that we look for um, based on this is all old, but based on the Kevin Cole regression tree analysis was if he has his final season is a 42% uh, market share of receiving yards. And that puts him in like the basically unable to fail range. It's like the Allen Robinson tier of guys that like, you just know this guy's going to be a success. Um, And I I think he has that capability. I think he's probably going to put up a very, very strong year. I'm seriously fingers crossed every time I want Purdue to become the Ole Miss, the big 10. I think that's what they should become. They should be not amazing on defense. Realistically, they should just start chucking the ball. And David Bell is the guy that would be the biggest benefactor from this. And I think there's a decent chance Purdue's a fun team to own in DFS spots. And if you get them in good, like passing matchups, um, I don't really, I, I can't name a lot of other guys on there, but their quarterback might become like a sneaky play who isn't super expensive. So whatever Purdue, they're a team I'm kind of keeping an eye on because I think they could be fun. Let's go to my second favorite player. Um, and that's Garrett Wilson. Uh, I, I actually have him as the wide receiver one, I believe. Again, I'm not looking at my ranks because my computer is garbage right now. Um, he was the number two wide receiver in the class of 2019. Um, immediately, he did come on into the field as a freshman. He had just a 13% market share, but to be honest, 13% is pretty solid when you're playing at Ohio State as a freshman because you're not right. dealing with a bad room. Um, as a sophomore, he um, he broke out with a 31 dominator rating. Um, and to be honest with you, it's it's a lot of film stuff and it's a lot of seeing that he's already being projected as a first round player. That is what really cements him as my number one. And it's just because we've all seen him make the unreal stuff. We've seen him against Clemson as a freshman, basically jump over another human being to make a catch. We've seen um, him in the slot, just be unguardable. And now I think going back to the outside, we're going to see a lot more of that, potential alpha wide receiver type stuff from him that could potentially push him into that top 10 of the NFL draft. And if he gets there, I, I think it's going to be really hard for him to miss because you're talking about a super high pedigree, uh, high pedigree prospect who looks like he's going to have a production profile. That's good enough. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you said there too, at the end, that's good enough. And that, and the reason it may not like be insane is because the next guy we're going to talk about as well as, uh, <laughs> Jackson Smith and Jigba and others are there's just so many talented players in that room that it's it is going to be hard for him to get um, just absolutely insane market share just because of the other talent around him every single one of like only Devonta Smith really had a ridiculous profile out of that Alabama room they had four first round NFL wide receivers mm-hmm. Ohio State might have a better room now that's, yeah, that's insane crazy. but they might have a better room um if you're a longtime listener, you already know my feelings on Alave. I don't think we yeah. need to, we don't have to dive deep into him. I won't spend a huge amount of time on him, but we'll say in his age 20.5 season, he broke out with a 34 dominator rating. He's now had at least two seasons with at least a 20% market share. Um, there are negatives. He, he was a three-star prospect. I think he ended up, I think he might've earned a four-star like super duper late, but he was a three-star prospect for most of the yeah, prospects. He- yeah, that is exactly what happened. And I only know this because uh, I was listening to the Cover 3 podcast and Bud Elliott, um, who's one of their 
main recruiting guys. He, he said he he talked about Alave specifically and how they switched him to a four star. So yeah, at the end it did get switched. I think he came back to be Devonta Smith, and it's largely because he he wants to come back, have the ridiculous season, and earn an early early first round draft capital. Um, the only downside for him is that there's no chance he's getting a, like a forty percent dominator like uh, Smith, and it's largely because. If he were to go down with, if even if Garrett Wilson were to go down with injury, Jackson Smith and Jigba is better than any single player that was in Alabama's wide receiver room last year. So is Julian Fleming. So is Emeka Ekbuka. So is Marvin Harrison. So as as weird as that might sound, um, because I know people like John Mechie, uh, the phony. Um, <laughs> I, it's I, there's no way that they're going to funnel the targets to Olave because they just don't have to. Um, I was going to give you a lot of shit because I thought you were saying that he's better than anyone in Alabama's room from last year. And I was like, whoa, 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 no. whoa. But you were talking about this year. So, yes, no, okay, no, we, can, he, well, we can continue. I think he's yeah. better than I think he's better than anyone in that Alabama room that wasn't named Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle last year. Yeah, like, I think oh, yeah, all yeah, of those sure. guys are better than Mechie, basically. Um, yeah. Agreed. So whatever. Um, we talk about him all the time. Everyone knows my feelings. I think he's going to be a first round pick. Um, and at worst, I think he's going to go day two. You're going to, you're going to get good capital now. Yeah. I can't imagine. I can't imagine he'll go. Like, I think he'd have to have a pretty disappointing season to go day two. Um, I think, I think cause and we, and we know for sure, like he came back for his, his senior year. Like we know for sure he's leaving after this year. Like he is going to be in next year's draft. I, I think it's, I would I would put good money on him being a first round pick. Agreed, um, but let's get to the fun class, and the fun class is twenty twenty three. Um, we're not we're just going to kind of run through these guys quickly, um, and why I like all of them, and why you should why you like any of them too. You can jump in. Um, Rakeem Jarrett was a super high pe- pedigree player at Maryland. I think last year, I can't remember who it was against, but he had I think it was Minnesota. He had like five receptions for like 140 yep i have it right here uh it was penn state actually he had 144 yards and two touchdowns on five receptions and that's kind of when everyone realized holy cow this rakeem jarrett guy that was getting a lot of hype he might be pretty good um i'm a little worried the buzz has gone too far with him uh we have him as our wide receiver 11 um there's a lot of risk in taking him in the early third he's probably not one that I would take over a Marvin Mims. And I think they're going in the same spot. I think that that's probably like an equal comparison, dude. Um, he's going ahead of my guy, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, I, I think he's, he's a very, very talented player, but yeah, there's I, a lot of I love him. I mean, him. For, former five-star recruit, number four wide receiver in his class. I mean, six foot two ten absolute monster yeah i can i'm definitely one of the people who uh is is all in on 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 jared by the way i'm not saying i think he's bad i just think there's a lot of risk in it when he had 244 yards last year Um, yeah and and he plays on a maryland team that let's be honest like we're not super excited about their their offense correct um jackson smith and jigba is my guy he if there's one guy that i talk about almost as much as chris alave it's jackson smith and jigba at this point I genuinely believe he's the most talented wide receiver on the Ohio State roster right now. He, I mean, is there any better way to start off your career than making 
a ridiculous catch that when everyone saw it in live, everyone was like, well, of course he's out of bounds. And then when they slowed yeah. it oh, down. Oh, there was no way that was a catch. <laughs> no, there's no chance. Not a chance. And then you slow it down. You're like, oh, no, he got his foot in. Uh, that's insane. Um, production really, I mean, we t- last year was incredibly weird because they basically didn't have an offseason. Justin Fields funneled passes like at an absurd level to Olave and Wilson. At one point, I think they were getting like something like 60% of targets were going to those two guys. It, w- it-, it was insane. And they're- it's not going to maintain that way this year. They're going to rotate the ball a little bit more. Um, super duper high predatory prospect. Again, initially was a three star. And then everyone kind of caught on and started to see him dominate the Texas. I think it was in 6A, which is the second highest level in Texas, if I know this correctly. I don't know high school football that well, but I'm pretty sure it's it's the second highest level of Texas football. And he had 3,000-yard seasons and 74 career touchdowns, including in the playoff run, there were multiple games where he was over five touchdowns. So That's crazy. Um, he's, he's really, really good. Um, Julian Fleming was the number one wide receiver in the class of 2020. Uh, according to ESPN, he was the number one overall player um, in the class of 2020. Uh the, the thing about him was he came from a program where it was sort of a run heavy program and he kind of forced him to pass the ball a ton. And it was his raw athleticism that just made him a matchup nightmare for people. And he became, he, that's kind of his standout. So for me, his, he's running like sixth on the depth chart at Ohio state at the moment behind the two incoming freshmen but that's largely because he's coming off a shoulder injury. Um, he's a guy, I, his price is so hard because he, he's probably like a top 50 pick in whatever draft you're doing. Um, I think we have him in that range. He's just one of those guys that there's a, it's a, it's quite a bit of risk. And some people, I just think his ceiling is really high because you don't get to be the number one overall player in a class by being low ceiling. And so yeah, we'll we see. have we have him as the number 47 player overall wide receiver, 18 Julian Fleming. Do you think I mean, we talked about some of the uh, quarterbacks possibly transferring out of Ohio State. Uh, is Julian Fleming a guy who you that you could see maybe wanting I to move on if he were going to transfer out? It would have already happened. Because at one point this year. When Jamison Williams left. Um, so this is a lot of like speculation stuff. Um but Julian Fleming and Jamison Williams sort of do a lot of the same thing. They're both very real deep threat guys who on vertical stretch, the field routes are going to be very difficult to catch um, and very difficult to match up with. He's a guy that it was kind of one or the other was going to be able to be fit that role when it became clear that Jamison Williams was not going to be the third wide receiver as he'd been operating as last year because Smith and Jigba had passed him. So I think that it was sort of when Jameis Williams left. It was sort of a sign that Julian Fleming had established himself as I'm going to be that guy that is the stretch the field guy. Okay. Um, yeah, that's good to know. So it's not, I I do think that's a chance just because, I mean, if he goes out and he has four receptions this year and basically doesn't see the field, um, then I do think that there's a chance he starts to look next year. But there's also a chance that this year in they're going to have a few more blowout games this year because they actually play a non-conference schedule. And I mean, week two, they're going to be up by like, 
they're probably going to be up by like 50 points at halftime. If we're being honest, when they're playing against this, this what lame duck team from Oregon. Um, <laughs> You're an ass. Um, no, but um, I think, I mean, they actually play some like semi cupcake games this year, which they didn't have last year, which was part of the reason the freshmen didn't see the field very much. So I think that should give opportunities to rotate a little bit more than they did last year and give Julian Fleming an opportunity to see the field. So I think he, it'll be interesting. He might, there's a decent chance he transfers, but to be honest with you, there's a decent chance a lot of people transfer. And I think people are sort of learning that the transfer portal isn't like this miracle worker. Like it doesn't just make you go from, man, I'm sixth on the depth chart at Ohio state. I bet you I'm going to be number one at um, like wherever insert big 10 program here. Like it's not this magical elixir. It's if you don't have production at a lot of places, your options are sort of limited. Um, And I don't know. I, I, I mean, I don't think that would happen to him. I don't think he'd be stuck in purgatory, but I also don't think he'd get to be the alpha wide receiver of a national championship caliber program. So, but one last dude to mention in the class of 23 is probably one that's a little more under the radar. We've mentioned him a few times here and it's partially because we both like DFS and he was a very fun option in DFS last year. Um, is Parker Washington at Penn state Dotson mm-hmm. and should, I, I, I think people are too low on Dotson myself included, but like he should be ahead of Dotson. I mean, he, sh- I'm sorry, Dotson should be ahead of him, but it should be close. Um, and the only reason why Dotson is like severely ahead, just like certainly ahead of him is just because we know he's probably coming out this year um, and probably should have some capital. But Parker Washington as a freshman had a 21% market share of, rece- of receiving yards. And there's a decent chance that he's going to build on that this year um, because we hope that that team is better. Um, we think Penn State's not going to start 0-5 this year. So... Uh, I think he's a real candidate to be some a breakout candidate for this year. And if he does, then he is, again, he's another one of those like fourth, late fourth round guys. There's a chance he sees his stock go up like half a round. If he really just takes over as the true one on that team, it could go up a full round. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I will be honest. Like I, I really struggle <laughs> uh, ranking those Penn state receivers. Um, and I also don't love the quarterback situation in Penn State right now, which doesn't help either. Uh, but I do think um, they're interesting players. And uh, I definitely think uh, Parker Washington could be uh, an absolute, uh, it, like just an absolute exciting player. Um, almost a must start in certain weeks in DFSs with the right matchups. Agreed. Um, at tight end, there aren't really a lot of options. Um, Jeremy Ruckert's probably the only one that's guaranteed capital from this group. Um, and it's just because high pedigree has shown he's kind of highly capable. However, there's really, I mean, he's going to end his career with less than probably 70 receptions over four years. Um, but he's going to have a lot of touchdowns and a lot of big moment touchdowns. And I think that scouts have seen on film, everything they need to see from him. So he should get some capital, um, some super under the radar tight ends to just keep an eye on. Um, Sam Laporta at Iowa he has a couple years capital. I think Iowa's proven that they're kind of able to bring tight ends out of nowhere. And if I think he's set to be the starting guy for Iowa this year, if he is, that's a, it's a decent spot to get some C to C value out of him. And he's not super expensive. Um, 
And then Theo Johnson at Penn State is, um, he was a high pedigree guy coming into their high four star. And uh, with Pat Fryer move gone, that should give an opportunity for him. Um, but both those guys are really, they don't have a lot of production yet. So it's, it's a lot of project, projection for them to do better this year. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, you really powered through there at the end there. I like that. <laughs> um, please do uh, check out the articles that we have. If you want to get a little bit uh, more information, you can see uh, some of the highlights that Matt was referring to. You can also see some of the uh, different tools that we use in evaluating these players uh, that we get uh, to use with Rotoviz, which are always awesome. Again, Rotoviz really is uh, a unique and special uh, place to go for your fantasy football information because not only do we kind of give you um, our takes and our ideas using uh, these these tools and these numbers, uh, but we give you the opportunity to do your own research using the tools. You can really uh, create what you need to to find out some of this information on your own players that you're wondering about. So do check it out. Um, again, you can get a 10% off uh, with a with a code that you heard earlier. So, so do check that out. Uh, Matt, thank you so much again. Um, I'm glad you were able to uh, write up on the Big Ten and uh, you, you have a lot of knowledge on that conference in particular. And even though you're a homer, I think you do a really good job of, of talking about the other players as well. So so super great. Uh, next week, we've got the ACC, which I am in the process of finishing up, as well as the group of five, which Travis is finishing up as well. So we'll have those uh, that episode out for you next week. Until then, thank you so much for listening. Matt, is there anything you'd like to leave the listeners with? Bye, Chris Alave. There it is. All right. We'll talk to you all soon.